You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. I'm your host, Justin Poulin, and joining me, as he does every Monday morning, John Duke. You can follow us on Twitter, at CSL underscore Tweet Live, as well as myself, at CSL underscore Justin, and John is at CSL underscore Duke, the entire CLNS Radio Network, at CLNS Radio. John, uh, I did predict a 2-1 and one week uh, last Monday. However, I got the games wrong. They won against Indiana, uh, Indiana, but they lost to Washington in disgusting fashion. Back-to-back losses, Nuggets. You went 3-0, and oh, but I don't think you realized just how bad uh, how bad they were going to play. It, yeah, I mean, we as, as for anyone listening last week, of course, we came in on the heels of a really terrible game against the Nuggets, getting their doors blown off in their first quarter and never really responding. And then, of course, you know, you all think you had some days off, off great, we'll have a chance to respond. And they did the same thing, if not worse, on the road, you know, against the Wizards. And, you know, that was very disheartening to see that. And so, obviously, my 3-0 and went out the window. But... The thing that, you know, Friday night against the Knicks, Saturday night against the Pacers, that was Boston Celtics basketball. You know, that was really, did they, did they board as well as they need to, to, to beat the good teams? No, but they won the, they won the boards and they played hard and they played, they looked like their team. They got turnovers. They were aggressive. Uh, very much in the mold of, of the Boston Celtics we've known, come to know and love. Uh, and I thought that that was really the story. Like, as you said, you had two and one. The one was a little bit different. You know, certainly you didn't see them getting their, their doors blown off on Wednesday and instead being against Indiana on Saturday. But hey, you know, I, I think the most important thing, regardless of record at this point, is just that they've kind of recaptured their mojo, I think, a little bit. It's, they're entering a tough stretch here. But they're going to get some guys back. I think that's going to help. And I think maybe, you know, we've righted the ship a bit. Whereas, you know, for the last week or so, it's been it's been tough sledding to be a Boston Celtic. It's been enormously tough sledding to be yeah. a Boston Celtic. The, really, the challenge was the effort. And I saw you tweeting while I was doing 
the post game show on CLNS radio on Wednesday <laughs> after the Washington game. And you said, boy, I hope Justin's lighting them up on the post game show because that effort was lackluster. And it did. It lacked heart. They said so afterwards. I think no yeah. reason not to be frustrated. I think it's perfectly acceptable to say, listen, guys, it's one thing to be down your players. And this was the dialogue throughout national media and all the blogosphere, you know, hardwood paroxysm, all those guys saying, listen, we knew they weren't going to be great with players like Al Horford and Jay Crowder out. Nobody didn't expect that. And there had to be some losses on that schedule. How well, I know you didn't think there was going to be losses on that schedule, but I think a lot of people thought, yeah, maybe they're going to take their lumps. But in that game, there just was no heart, and that's unacceptable in, in New England. You know, we'll take losses if you're playing hard and maybe you're just not in the right position. And we'd heard that from Bat Brad leading up to the Nuggets loss. He could see it coming, but players just weren't in the right positions. But, I mean, literally, players getting rebounds sitting down on the floor over the Boston Celtics, <laughs> and the Celtics unable to box out. That stuff, I mean, literally five guys in the paint, and then somebody like Oladipo comes flying in, grabs the board, and away he goes. Uh, that's – or no, no. Brad Beal. I said Oladipo. I meant Otto Porter. Flies oh, Otto, in, grabs yeah. a rebound. It's unacceptable effort. It is unacceptable effort. You know, and I thought I thought the, the, the effort we saw against the Knicks on Friday night was what we'd see Wednesday. Unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't foresee the fact that they were going to go into Washington, one of the sorriest teams in the league, see John Wall get tossed out of the game and still not respond. I mean, that was just unreal. That was just unbelievable. The the fact Um, that Marcus Smart is getting under opposing players' skin where, you know, then Carmelo Anthony in Friday night's game gets thrown out. Is really fantastic. I mean, it was it was disappointing not to be able to see Paul George. Although I'm, I know we'll all take the win. It was nice to yeah. see another team with some injuries and maybe level out the playing field in that game on Saturday on the second night of a back to back home and away. But even Carmelo, like, what is going on? I understand Marcus Smart will get under your skin, but John Wall had already set a precedent. That was a second game he got thrown yeah. out of. So. Bad on John Wall for the attitude problem that he's bringing to the league right now because he's a talented individual, but he's a head case. He's going to start sounding like DeMarcus Cousins pretty soon. Well, let, let's let's look at this the situation in Washington. You know, they built this team. They're going to build a deep team, strong second unit. Again, I think that there, we're seeing some signs across league that some people are kind of taking cues from what Danny has done. I think we're seeing it in, in Brooklyn. I think we're seeing it in Washington where they're trying to build a team with some depth so it can it can compete over the long haul. But it's not working right now in Washington. Scott Brooks hasn't been able to get through. We had the summer full of kind of the backbiting and back and forth between John Wall and Bradley Beal and how those two really haven't, you know, meshed over their careers. Brad Beal always coming out of games injured, as he did, you know, the other night. And this is a situation where that, you know, that was ripe for the picking. And <laughs> that the Celtics didn't rise to that effort was probably even more so, um, you know, concerning. But, you know... If that's a team where you can get under their skin, you would think that's a, another opportunity for the Celtics to to move forward. But I, I, you know, talking about Marcus Smart, 
I, I'm really impressed with the last week of work from him. Uh, again, I don't think he played all that well, really, in the early part of the week. Certainly against Denver, I think, not so hot. But I thought Still shaking particular- the rust off, though, let's be he fair. Is. You know, Absolutely. it really sucks when you're just getting into condition at the end of the preseason. Then yep. you got to sit down for a little bit and then get back into the flow. They desperately needed him, but we'll give him a pass on that, right? Well, uh, yeah, I think we give him a pass on the early going here. But I, I want to say, you know, a lot of the people are going to look at Isaiah's, you know, points, uh, you know, really coming in bunches a bit in the end and do, but and Kelly Olynyk's return, and we're going to talk about Kelly, you know, certainly later on. But I want to give a little bit of a shout-out to Marcus Smart because I think Marcus Smart is beginning to establish who he is as an NBA player. His playmaking really has ta- is really showing here in the last week. It's growing leaps and bounds. And I think it's really that ability to get comfortable from that 15- to 18-foot area, right around the free-throw line, you know, right around the elbows, that area, I think, has made him a bit more confident where he's just a little bit closer and then he can, he can make some decisions. Is the defense going to collapse? Is he going to do different things? What was happening last year, of course, is when you're on the three point line, you're really, you're kind of north south. You can go side to side, but it's very hard to, to play make from that position unless you really are a, a craftsman like Rajon Rondo. He's not there yet, but now he's getting into the, he's getting into that area at least, that 15 foot to 18 foot area. And he's becoming a bit deadly with a shot, but also forcing teams to uh, to come to him and creating some opportunities for other players. That's the type of playmaking, particularly on that second unit, that we weren't seeing early on when he was coming back from injury. And now I think that's really paying dividends for the whole the team as a whole. Well, he has not the ability of Rajon Rondo to pass, but he's a much better passer, and we've seen it. He's threaded a little bit of a needle on a few passes. There was a really nifty one along the baseline. I want to yes. say it might have been to Tyler Zeller. I can't remember who yeah, it I was Yeah, I think you're to, right. But you're right. it was a really nifty pass. You don't see a baseline pass by two defenders to the other side of the basket to a big man to put in the lay-in. That was amazing. The other thing is, I don't want to say Paul Pierce, but he's got a nice little fadeaway going all of a sudden. And the mm-hmm. differences. That he is well, the changes that he's put into his three-point shot, which we had the interview with Jared Weiss on Friday, and we talked about it because he had interviewed Marcus a couple of weeks into the preseason and talked about mechanical adjustments. But his gather is a little bit higher up, above just above the waist instead of really low, and he is shooting extremely confidently. Look at that third quarter against the Washington Wizards. He's pretty much the only guy with any heart, especially on offense that night. And he was just raining three-pointers. And they were not just sitting right on the line. Some of them are really deep. And when and this was Jared's point. As when Marcus is not thinking about the shot and he's just playing within in the game, it really is awesome. When he starts to think about it is when he gets into trouble. And I can totally see that. But that's something that comes in year three. The confidence, the experience, and over the course of this season, I think we're going to see exactly what you and I said heading into the offseason, that this would be the first one where Marcus Smart would be healthy, and this season would be his breakout season. I think we are headed down that path. Absolutely. He's Right now he's shooting 32% from three, you know, almost, almost right where he was in his rookie year where he shot 33%. 
And if that's the stepping stone he needs, and I think it's going to get better, I think he's going to play better. That's the, as you said, that's the sort of stepping stone where he's moving. He's kind of he's finding his progression. You know, I think with I, I look at the 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 development of Avery Bradley, a guy who couldn't do a whole lot of anything other than defend when he first got here to Boston. You and I talked a lot about him. You know, is he a point guard? Is he not a point guard? We had all that stuff, and and. Casting aside for a second what, what he's doing now with playmaking and all that, but just in terms of the development of his shooting, you know, he took, you know, it wasn't quite the same leagues now that it was then when he was coming up, but he found a way to get comfortable coming up screens, getting, you know, that 18, 19 foot jumper and kind of building off that. And since then, he's been moving back and back and back to where now he's, he's a threat. He's a, he's a legitimate hard, you know, hard to stop threat from three point range. And I think smart can do that same thing, build the confidence a little bit closer and work your way back. Uh, and I think that's probably, I hope that's the model they're going to work with Jalen Brown with as well. Build an area where you can feel good, good about where you are, and then just just slowly work your way back from there. I think that's the that's the strength, uh, and that I think that seeing these signs from Marcus Smart that gives you a lot more hope for a lot of these players that need some confidence, need to develop that shot. And as you said, I mean Jared, outstanding piece, uh, an interview with him earlier uh, this year. And also an outstanding interview here on Thursday we have with Jared. So uh, Jared's doing great work generally, uh, but I really appreciate his work there with with Marcus because we all we all want to know, uh, you know, how did how is the guy like that improve his situation? And it's great to hear the details of, of how that came to be. Yeah, and I'll just throw this one other plug before we go to a quick programming note. But Jared did the first of a garden report podcast on Friday morning. It released the same time our interview with him and Chris Sedenka, who is the voice of the main Red Claw. So we previewed the season on Friday, but Jared started, um, he kicked off the Garden Report podcast with sort of an NPR style look into Gerald Green. So I just, I have to shout that out and tell everybody to make sure and you check that out. Uh, just a quick programming announcement, a reminder to follow uh, CLNS Radio on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash CLNS fans. Download the CLNS Radio app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Radio in your app marketplace and the YouTube channel where you will find Jared Weiss in the Garden Report, youtube.com forward slash CLNS Radio for high definition, full length locker room interviews and the Garden Report immediately after every single game. Um, also, a quick shout to Movement Watches. And while department store watches start at four to $500, the good folks at Movement Watches have taken out the middleman and are passing that savings directly on to you. You can be a hipster just like me. Movement Watches are slick, fashionable, and most importantly, affordable. I got the chrono white and black with a tan leather strap. The prices start at just $95. You can save 15% and get free shipping by going to mvmtwatches.com forward slash Celtic Speed. That's mvmtwatches.com forward slash Celtics Beat for 15% off your first order and free shipping. John, you talked about Kelly Olynyk, and I think it's really important when you also said that players need to start from a place, and I think this is definitely Brad Stevens' MO. And in, if you got to start from a place where you're in a position of strength and build off of that, with Brad Stevens, his MO is it starts with defense. You don't get on the floor 
if you can't rebound or if you can't play defense. I also think for Jalen Brown specifically, he's looking for better rebounding. He's had a couple of comments where he didn't point Jalen out directly, but Jalen was absolutely missing in the Pacers game when we got to see Jamie Young. We're going to get to all of that, but we know the defensive woes were there. A lot of it was in the front court. Kelly Olynyk made his debut in that loss to Washington. He still didn't look like he quite had his legs underneath him. I think he shot 0 for 3, I mean 0 for 4 from three-point land, but he definitely got his way back in the Knicks and the Pacers game. And as much as we can tout the fact that his shooting was present, he is a way better defender than I think we ever realized. And almost having a few games without him and then pulling him in, and maybe it's just aggressive, I've got an expiring contract, Kelly Olenek, that we're seeing right now, who got a late start because of the shoulder injury and knows he needs to light it on fire to stay on the court. I don't know what it is, but he is a way better defender, just positionally because he knows where to be on the court. But also, with all that playmaking ability and offense, this team really missed him. And he's been a spark since that second game against the Knicks. And I'd even venture a guess he was a little bit of a spark against Washington, but it went unnoticed because everybody was flat. Yeah, no, I think you're right. But I, I would agree with I, I That's one thing I did notice in that Washington game, that everyone was playing was, was pretty flat. He was certainly rusty. But there's a calm that kind of came to that unit, I thought, when, when Kelly was in there. that we didn't see with Zeller. We didn't see with Jarebko. It felt like Kelly next to Amir just kind of brought the, the, the level of everything, you know, the anticipate, it just brought it down. It's like, okay, we know what we're doing here. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna be confident. And I thought that not only, not only that, obviously we all know about his shooting. We all know what he can do to, to spread the floor, open things up. So you take those two things, put them together. And I think that really opened things up for Isaiah and Bradley and Smart. And I thought that was really, really helpful to have him back. These are the types of things that when we were talking about in the early season, like what are they going to do in the front court? How are they going to, who's going to start with Horford? This is what I was thinking about in terms of that, the overall piece. And, and I, and I, and I will say, I'm not going to take credit for it, but I would say, I think I, I think I've been pretty strong on the Kelly defensive bandwagon. He's not going to pound. He's not. Gonna, you're not you don't want him in the in the block going up against Marcus Saul. But he's a pretty. He's been a good defender. I mean, last year, in terms of defensive defensive metrics, looking at you know some of the advanced stats, he was a, he was a very highly ranked player. So we shouldn't be too surprised, maybe that that he was that he was able to settle the defense down a little bit. But just boy, in terms of the team, you know, in terms of the team and looking at how their overall outlook, I was surprised the difference from Wednesday to Friday we saw just in that demeanor, just in him finding his game, and and then of course shooting the ball pretty well. You know, that's kind of the cherry on the Sunday almost when you know I think a lot of us would think the shooting is is the primary thing that he's going to bring to the table. But I agree with you. I think the defense had a lot a lot to uh, to bring to make the overall team concept work a whole lot better Friday and Saturday. Well, in the NBA of 10-plus years ago, Kelly Olenek doesn't sniff the floor. He maybe mm-hmm. comes out and you know for a three-point specialist shooting. But in this world, he fits perfectly. And especially, mm-hmm. again, 
going back to Brad Stevens' system and what you said with the advanced metrics, as a system defender, he's extremely effective because he's smart. Where he lacks in athleticism, he makes up in really understanding the game. It definitely helped him that he played point guard for most of his life before that enormous growth spurt (laughs) as he headed into college and all of a sudden found himself being a seven-footer, which also... What's amazing is usually when you go through a growth spurt like that, you lose the coordination, but, mm-hmm. but Kelly did not lose coordination. So he, he maintains that level of skill from being a point guard. And yeah, he's still, he's, there's just some things you can't do when you're tall, right? That, and I think people <laughs> underrate how Isaiah Thomas being short actually helps him. He's learned how to utilize his size as a strength when he gets his body up into bigger players, when he does attack the rim, it's, it's not just quickness. People want to go, Oh, you're small. You're quick. It's not just that. It's the fact that he is small. So he doesn't necessarily push them back. He doesn't get fouls called on him because the body movement, it just is not as noticeable. So he can get up in somebody's grill in ways that bigger players end up potentially getting offensive fouls called against them. He knows how to use that. Kelly, on the other hand, still maintains some of that, at, not the athleticism, but just the coordination and the ball handling. I know he's been stuffed at the rim a couple of times, but I want to, and I know you said, I don't want to see him battling Paul Gasol necessarily in the post. I'm not sure about that. I know he's not a leaper, but I think if he just gets that little bit of quickness, because he anticipates, the reason he's a good defender system-wise is the anticipation. If he can get that level of anticipation inside of the paint on offense, I think you'll be able to complete some of those plays. He might be able to use the rim as a little bit of a shield for the ball and be able to do up and under. I think there's little nuances that'll help him be much more effective than post. And the other thing is, teams are going more and more athletic in the front court, which is only going to help him. We're going to see less of those big-time post defenders that are going to be able to block his shot and make it difficult for him to work inside. And there was another play that it was like, uh, I can't remember what that style of play is, but it was him and Avery Bradley. Wasn't really a two-man game, but he was in the post. He fakes the shot. He throws it out to Bradley. Bradley drives. And as Bradley is driving, not really baseline, but left Mm -hmm. to right on the court, he kicks it back out to Kelly for an open three and nails it. Just beautiful, intelligent basketball. I remember that exact play. I know exactly what you're talking about. And that you're absolutely right. That's that, that higher level thinking that maybe a lot of post guys aren't going to have because they're not playmakers. They've been back to the basket guys or whatever. And that's why the value of Kelly Olynyk in today's NBA is probably a lot higher than, as you said, it would have been a few years ago. You know, he, he's got, he's, he's got a guy with all these skills. And he just needs to have that little bit of confidence. If if it takes holding a contract over his head for 12 months to get him to shoot and 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 not pump fake his way out of open shots, then let's do, let's put him on a year to year, and he I'll make him a max player in no time. You know, I mean, it's just it's just you know he's he's had to find a way to work his way out of those bad habits, I suppose. And this is a team now where. He's going to have open looks. You know, they're going to be able to create that space with him on the floor and with Horford on the other side, maybe, or at the top of the key. There's going to be a lot of movement, a lot of, a lot of motion. I think really the Celtics passing is going to really take a huge leap forward with those two big men now with Olenek back and Horford coming back soon. 
I think that will really start to move the ball around. And it's going to help guys like Jalen Brown and, and Marcus Smart, who aren't the best shooters, but but can find other ways to score. And certainly Avery Bradley making cuts and the like. Um, I think he's. I think maybe we've underrated the role of Kelly Olynyk entering this season. And you know, this is I a don't time. Know. A lot of people said it. they expected him to be in the starting lineup over I, Amir yeah. Johnson, and that certainly could happen. I think maybe you and I figured yeah. it would be Horford and Amir Johnson to start the season. And we knew that also because once it got a little bit further into preseason, we realized Kelly wasn't going to be healthy. But I think yeah. you and I still expected those two players to be side by side. Now, maybe you and I are coming around to what a lot of other people thought, which was Kelly's probably going to be in the starting lineup. I will say this before we head to break, and then I'll let you comment. You and I were calling for the lineup changes that Brad promised after things started to get ugly against the Nuggets and moving forward, we wanted to see Smart move in to the starting spot at the three. And then why not Jonas Jerebko starting instead of Tyler Zeller at power forward to be able to provide maybe uh, a little bit of what we hoped to see from Kelly Olynyk once he was healthy. We didn't get to see Jonas move into the starting lineup, but we did see the lineup change that really was the player we had really wanted instead of Jarebko in at the four, which was Kelly. And that lineup change has definitely uh, returned dividends. I know Jalen Brown had a great game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I'm a huge fan, as we all know, but Marcus <laughs> Smart in the starting lineup is the way to go. He is. That that is that is the the way to go. And you know, this is this is the trials and tribulations of a rookie player in the NBA. They have to find a way to to work through those things. And this is now the first bit of negative news that that Jalen's had to respond to. And so now he has to take that opportunity. But Marcus playing the way, doing the things we talked about early on in the show, doing the playmaking, making the plays, doing the, the defensive battles against guys like Carmelo Anthony there Friday night. I mean, how can you how can you keep him out of the starting lineup? I never thought you'd have a six four small forward. Be, <laughs> you that know, part of your starting flexibility, lineup. though, and we knew we could That's do what it. it is when we saw him yeah. box out Porzingis too, right? So yeah, Jay Crowder will be back. It's a, really a stopgap, but. But Marcus has got to be first off the bench. I know a lot of people said he could be sixth man of the year. I definitely think that's a possibility. We're going to head to our quick break. We're going to hear a word from our sponsor, Audible.com. And when we come back, we're absolutely going to talk about James Young's performance against the Indiana Pacers, especially in the third quarter, and the ups and the downs of being an NBA rookie. Highs of Jalen Brown performing against LeBron James, lows of Jalen Brown losing minutes to James Young, which is definitely a topic that has got to be explored on this show. So we're going to be right back after this. Stay tuned. All right, we're back. And John, we kicked it off. Maybe giving a little bit of a rub to my favorite player right now, Jalen <laughs> Brown. But we got to give some love to James Young. Maybe he's in the same boat as Kelly Olynyk, where, man, I got to make a name for myself. And he's in a worse spot than Kelly. Kelly will find a team 
hopefully the Celtics will be able to retain him. We'll see how it all plays out. He could be included in a trade. You just never know what's going to happen this year. Even Ian Thompson, now of NBA.com, formerly of SI.com, said uh, in an interview, I think with Mike Felger on Comcast Sports New England, that he thought this would be the year the Celtics finally traded in some of these assets and, uh, you know, made the big splash and brought in the player that will really get them over the hump in a partnership with, you know, obviously Al Horford's not going anywhere. So anybody else I think is fair game, although I don't think Jay Crowder will be traded either. I think they hold him in high regard and as what we've seen the team play without him, I could see why. But at the end of the day, maybe James Young started drinking that juice, but he had an awesome performance and it really wound up Jalen Brown, no more minutes, and not even, well, it's a little over a week ago now, but at the time, it had only been just barely a week since he had really lit in the world, lit the world on fire and really brought the name Jalen Brown into every household with his performance against LeBron James. And LeBron even had some, some very flattering words, which don't come out all that often from LeBron, especially for young players and really any veteran doesn't dish that out real easy for young players. And yet Jalen got these kudos, but really the last couple of games, he has not seen a whole lot of time. And James Young wound up filling in admirably, had a lot of aggressiveness in the game, taking it to the rack, shooting with confidence. But I think again, we're going to go to defense here because that's where it all starts with the Boston Celtics under Brad Stevens. I thought the defense was something, it was like night and day over last year, James Young was so miserable on defense, not even necessarily a year ago. We could go to summer league where you could just say, like, what are you thinking, man? You have no idea where you're supposed to be on the floor. And all of a sudden, especially in the game against the Pacers, it was a new James Young. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I, and I to, to just put a, a brief pin on the, the, the Jalen Brown thing, it's good to go through these things. It, it, you know, these are the types of lessons that Brad Stevens wants to impart on these guys and that there's nothing taken for granted. Anybody could be a Jay Crowder who a second round pick could be the last pick in the NBA draft and Isaiah Thomas. It doesn't matter where you're picked. It's what you do on the court that earns time. And yeah, Jalen Brown deserved the time that he got in the early going, but you know, not long after maybe feeling his oats a bit of, off of what he did against LeBron, that that effort kind of went away. And so let's get somebody in here who can. And James Young, again, I, I think best performance in three years of being a Celtic, clearly. Um, defensively, you're right. But also just showing effort. You know, that was the thing that was kind of frustrating about James Young is he was – Going through the motions, it seemed a lot of times. He's running up and down, not involved in the play, go stand in the corner, really not participating, I guess, in the game other than when he was open, you know, in the corner. And, and what he did last night, or, or I should say on, on Sunday night or Saturday night against the Pacers, he, he made, he forced the issue, not in a, not in a way that was out of the flow of the game either. You know, he, I was just going to say it was so smooth though. 
He was. He used his aggressiveness, aggressiveness and his length, you know, kind of tip balls out. He had a nice uh, where he kind of tipped back a, a, an offensive rebound to uh, Avery Bradley for an open three. Uh, you know, there was a number of those plays where he just diving on the floor. I mean, that's not the James Young that we've been used to over the past two years. So credit for him. Bully to that guy for, you know, not just simply continuing on that path and earning, as as Danny Ainge said, earning it for something for the first time in his life. And this is what that what that paid paid for. That was those are the dividends of that work, which is his effort helped to secure a Celtics victory on the road in a in a challenging place to play. And I think Good he got what, ten now of his twelve on. points in the third quarter. So yep. that was at a time in the game where things were still kind of pretty even. I mean, the Celtics had gone down. They'd closed the gap. They came out in the third quarter. They started to establish themselves. But the whole locker room was really excited for James Young and his, you know, coming out party, really. I mean, it's it's amazing mm-hmm. to say this because he is in his third year, but this was really the first performance where everybody in the fan base went home thinking, man, J- James Young really got it done tonight. That was really awesome. Was, that's the, that's what we've been waiting for since he was drafted. And in all fairness, you know, if we're going to put this in the same context of somebody like Marcus Smart's development and that, and that also tying in to Avery Bradley's development, as you mentioned, you know, sort of in different stages, all of them being 25 or younger and separated by a couple of years. But this is James Young's third year, even though he was younger than Marcus Smart when he was drafted. It is it is his third year. Really, this is the one where the game should start to slow down. We've heard that over and over in the offseason about Terry Rozier, which was the game should start slowing down for him. And I don't want to leap off the James Young thing yet, but let's just tie him and Terry Rozier together on this concept of the game slowing down. He's gotten maybe not enough minutes at the NBA level, but James Young got plenty of minutes with the Red Claws last year, as did Terry Rozier. And that's really... I know that players aren't quite the same. I know the level of quickness and speed and strength is not the same, but the concepts should begin to present themselves in enough of a familiar pattern that you should be able to anticipate. This is the kind of make it or break it year. The question was, could James Young even get the minutes? I think he can go down and play with the Red Claws if it's needed to keep him fresh this year, but this would be the last. Um, at the end of the day, This kid needs to perform, but we actually should have expected him to perform, and I think we did heading into Summer League. It just looked like it was going to be such a goose egg. Yeah. (laughs) Are you hopeful now? That's really my question. I should have posed a question at the end of that statement, which is, are you hopeful now for James Young, or do you think this is kind of an angry flash that will show up from here and there throughout the season? I don't think this is this is a, a one-off. I I think that this is a guy who's figuring it out, and I think that seeing that, I think that the the, the challenge for James Young in against New Orleans on Monday, you know, tonight here Monday or or later on this week, the challenge for him is to make sure he's staying in the flow. You know, doing going the extra mile is great. Going the extra mile when it's not within the the context of the game is where you get lost and you try to do too much. The question will be whether or not you know twenty year old twenty one year old kid with limited experience is going to be able to find that balance. 
I think he's going to be able to. I think he, you know, it sounds crazy, you know, have one good game in three years, but I, I just feel like this is a kid who's kind of figured it out a little bit, very little bit. Now he's going to lose some minutes. Uh, because, you know, as, as we start to see, you know, these guys, Jay Crowder come back and, and, and Horford come back, that's going to reduce his, his opportunities for sure. Well, and it'll but be there's... a constant back and forth battle between yep. him and Jalen Brown for minutes as well, because yep. you don't draft somebody at 93, at number three with that level of talent and not give them some run or a chance to get back on the court. So there's going to be a lot of push pull between those two players for minutes. There is, but I, I think that, and that's that's why it's great for Brad Stevens because he all he has to say is perform better, you play. It's it's perfect. I mean, that's the that's the carrot, right? But you isn't that the simple? Carrot the stick. Hold on, it's isn't that on simple though? Stick. There's too many players on this roster to get minutes. That that rotation really needs to be pared down to eight or nine players. If he really tries to hold that, I understand matchups and and I get that, but somebody's got to ride some serious pine with the roster as it's constituted today. Well, I, I just don't think that he's going, I mean, he's, he'll do what he did the last week. Jalen Brown's doing well. Great, great, great. Fall starts to fall off the wagon. Well, James Young, you're going to get some burn. Okay. Now let's see how James Young does. He's earned some minutes. If he starts to fall off, well, Time for Jalen Brown to get. I mean, the the reason why I say I don't think that there's it's that. Well, the reason why I think it is partially that simple is that there is a need for a, a wing player with some size on this team. You know, we can't you can't just have Rozier, Bradley, and uh, Isaiah be your three guard rotation. It, it just doesn't work. You know, so they they have to have a guy on the bench to come in with a little bit of size, at least one guy. Now, never mind trades. We'll talk about trades later, but but I got to feel like there's at least room in this rotation for at least one of those guys off the bench. The question to me is who, and I don't know the answer, but I, I think it's going to be whoever's playing better, and I think that gives Brad Stevens opportunity, and I think both of them, unlike last year, we had a situation where the second unit couldn't find itself. I think now we're going to have, with the emergence of, of the return of Kelly Olenek and the return of Jay Crowder, that second unit is going to stabilize. And, and the return really, of Al Horford. And the, right, but I, yeah, but I mean, just in terms of how that second unit plays with those guys as key components of that, I think that it's going to be a whole lot easier to identify you know, either Rozier is or isn't playing well. Brown is or isn't playing well. Same with, uh, you know, James Young. I think those three guys are going to have, it's going to be clear, you know, and it's going to give, it's going to help. I think it's going to help Brad Stevens greatly to, to create a, 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 an eight or nine or maybe 10 man roster, a rotation, I should say, that, that really reflects where the team is and helps to give the team some direction. The other guys, Gerald Green, for example, you know, don't, you know, put some towels underneath those seats because you will be picking splinters out. <laughs> well, here, here's the, here's the last topic I want to run before we preview not only next week, but a tightening schedule. They've kind of had a soft one through a lot of these injuries, but because there's been so many injuries, players like Tyler Zeller have had to get some some minutes on the floor in the big man rotation. I know you and I were very critical. 
do you think that Tyler Zeller got a little bit back in the groove over these last few games? Are you softening on your criticism of him? He seemed to be a lot more in the flow, kind of knocking down some of those mid-range shots. Never thought he was much of a rebounder, so can't be totally upset with the rebounding woes. I mean, some of it's scheme, too. For Avery Bradley to continue to be the leading rebounder on this team, that's got to be by design to some degree. But are you softening on, on the Tyler Zeller criticism, or are you in the boat of, I can't wait for Al Horford to come back, and then that front man rotation can be Johnson, Zeller, I mean, Johnson, um, Horford, and Kelly Olenek with a little bit of Jarebko? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think that in times you need, you need to go big, a time you're playing against a team like Chicago or, or, or a team that has more traditional two big fronts, uh, you know, you can throw Zeller in there with, with that, those other three instead of maybe Jarebko. Or if you needed to, to go small, Jarebko instead of Zeller. I mean, I think that's where, that's the four five, you know, wrote the four five, I think debate right now is, is it's going to by default go to Jarebko, but I think that, that there's an opportunity for Zeller in certain situations, and we've seen this over the last two years that he's done this, where the right matchup, the right game, and, and he's he's going to score 18 points, you know, and six boards. And it's it's beautiful. It's great to see. But over the long run, I don't think it's that's a, a place for him to be. I do think the starting role was a tough spot for him. He's not a starting center in this league by any stretch, and obviously we saw how that paid off for the Celtics on Friday and Saturday nights. I'd like to see them, you know, I, I think he's a decent player, but they need to they need to chill him in the wine cellar uh, if they can. <laughs> we we just love to bring that one out. That one that one is always sitting right yeah, there. Yeah, it's right there for us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, real quick too on Al Horford. We know he traveled with the team to Indiana. He got some work on the court before the game. They kind of said, "Look, there's no reason for him to hit the road with the club if they aren't optimistic." that he'll be able to play. We knew he wasn't going to play in Indiana. Do you think we'll see him tonight against the Pelicans? Because then they're back home on Wednesday. So if he doesn't play tonight, it I don't want to say it didn't make sense to bring him because they've always got Brian Dew and the training staff with them. And if he's close, he might as well travel with the trainers and, and get some work and be with the team. That way, if he is ready, he's right there. However, do, do you think they'll they'll go cautious or do you think they're just waiting for him to get through whatever the NBA, I don't know the exact specifics of the NBA's concussion protocol. Do you think they're just waiting for two thumbs up and Al Horford says, yep, I'm good to go. And, and do you think that will happen tonight? I hate, you know, anything with the concussion protocol. I just hate to kind of weigh in. I mean, it's such a fickle thing, you know, what works and who comes out of concussion protocol. We still don't know exactly what happened, when it came to Horford's, yeah, those details you know, are very, very concealed, aren't they? Yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure what that's all about, but I think you're right. I think that he's so close that they thought, well, it, it could be, it could be against Indiana, it could be against New Orleans. It seems like if they're going to play him before the end of the trip if he comes on the trip, but I don't think they're going to mess the around. Either. It's done tonight. They come back home. That's right, what's so I know, funny but I'm about saying it. it's, yeah. it's two days. I mean, they're, you'd think if he's going to go on the trip, they're going to, he's going to play one of the two games. 
but again, you don't know with the concussion protocol at what point he's going to be cleared and maybe he just, it just doesn't happen. I mean, they thought he was going to play last week and it didn't, it didn't get through. So I think the main hope is that he's ready to play on Friday. And that would mean that he would have to have at some point probably play tonight against the Pelicans or, or Wednesday night. I think one of those two nights he needs to, they need him to, to get some minutes to get something underneath them before he, where they're, they're ready to play against Golden State. It would be nice to see him get 12 tonight, grow into that high 20s against Dallas, and be 100%, as you said, for Golden State. The Pelicans do finally have a win on the season. They're 1-9. Obviously, Anthony Davis is a killer, even if they're not showing up in the wins column. And you have, I guess I want to say old friend, because you know we, we support the main Red Claws, old friend, Tim Frazier, I believe he's still starting at point guard while they wait for Drew Holiday to get healthy. But I do think that the Celtics will get a win against the Pelicans. I certainly hope that they continue that aggressive style and get a win against Dallas on Wednesday. Um, you predicted 3-0 and last week. They went 2-1. and I predicted 2-1, and but flip-flop Indiana and Washington as the loss on my prediction schedule this coming week. Let's nail down some predictions again. I'm going to go with another 2-1 and schedule. I'm going to be at the Dallas game. <laughs> Dallas struggling to start the season. They're 2-6. and six. And then we have, obviously, the Pelicans that... I I think Anthony Davis could eat us alive though. That's the big concern there, but but even if he does eat us alive, I think we can I think we can make up for it. So I'm going to say that that game tonight is a little bit more competitive than it should be facing a 1 and 9 an opponent. I think the Dallas game is an absolute blowout and I'm going to be at the game, so I'm excited for that, but I am concerned for Friday's night against um you know, against the the Golden State Warriors, especially you, you wish that we, I should be more optimistic, but I think even if Jay Crowder does get back this week, it'll just barely be for that game on Friday, and he's going to be rusty coming off of the ankle injury. There's no way he's going to be 100%. Uh, if he was going to be 100%, I'd be a lot more uh, a lot more in the possible win camp. You look at what Luke Walton's doing with the Lakers. You got to give him a little bit of a shout out and some props because he's, and then part of it's the Kobe departure. And we've talked about that already, but I think, I think they, they got a win against the Golden State Warriors. You'd certainly like to think that the Celtics could win one too, but I think that's going to end up being a loss. What's your take on the upcoming week? What about Detroit on Saturday? Oh, right. See, I just went with through Friday, but you're right. We've got the Detroit game before you and I talk again. Uh, man, Detroit's got another big man inside, and you got that same issue potentially that you have with Davis tonight. And we see Detroit give Boston trouble last season as well. You know what I'm going to say, though? I'm still going to say a win against Detroit, and the reason for that is – by that time, we should definitely see Horford and Jay Crowder back in the rotation, and I'm anticipating that they're starting to hit stride at that point. So I'm, you're right. It's a four game schedule. I'm going to give them three and one, and I'm going to go with the predictable loss against the Golden State Warriors. No surprises from me this week. Well, I've <laughs> this past week has given me a little bit more pause. I'm actually going to I'm going to go. <laughs> so hold on two. a second. I'm going to go vanilla again. 
And yeah. you're going to go from super dark, awesome, yep. chocolatey brownie with chocolate chips inside yeah. to maybe a little bit more of like, well, we overcooked it a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going two and two. Um, Ooh. And yeah, I, I well, obviously the Warriors game, there there are reasons why they could go 4-0 this week. There, there are legitimate reasons why they could t- see this schedule and they could go 4 0 with it. But there's a couple problems. One, as you said, Anthony Davis is, is a monster. And I'm not sure who exactly is going to guard him tomorrow night. Or you tonight. agree I, that's I a gonna... sleeper loss. Yeah. I, well, no, no. I, I'm just, I'm saying that there's, there's huge caveats with each of these. We know about the Golden State game. The Pistons are playing well this year. And I think that there's a lot to be said about another year with Stan Van Gundy under his belt there. But don't sleep on this Dallas team. Not because they're so good, but last year, Dallas came into the Garden and beat them. They had no reason to be in that game whatsoever. But Rick Carlisle is a freaking wizard. And I would not put it past him to somehow pull something out of his hat to make them at least competitive in this game on Wednesday night. I'm going to say two and two. I feel good about New Orleans. I feel good about Dallas. Um, and I feel, I feel between Dallas and Detroit, we're going to get one win. But I, I, I don't think right now the Celtics are clicking on all cylinders to be competitive against the Golden State Warriors. I think that they don't have, I gotta well, agree they didn't with have that. Jay Crowder when they played in Golden State last year to break the string of the, you know, the undefeated home record for the Golden State Warriors. They, they didn't have Jay Crowder for that game. But the, the Celtics team was playing at a much different level than this team is right now. They're still trying to find their way. Neither team is going to give get a rebound. So that does help the Celtics. They're a terrible rebounding team just as the Celtics are. The Celtics can guard the <laughs> It'll be nice not to feel perimeter. so alone. It is, yeah. And, you know, if Horford does play, that does help them greatly. I'm just... I don't. I'm not feeling them being competitive Friday night. But hey, we'll find out. It's gonna. I'm gonna be on the post game show, so listen in. I'll either be it gonna be ebullient, and you'll all want to be excited with me, or uh, you can hear my the depths of despair I'll have Friday night. Well, I'll tell you what. Either way, it's gonna be an offensive, up and down, hot shooting kind of night, which I think is it'll be a fun game. So you'll definitely get a lot of callers into the CLNS post game show. And I'll just remind everybody to follow us on Twitter because you'll get announcements, uh, for the link for the show and the toll free call in number. And it's John's first time in the lead host role. I know you've mm-hmm. often been an analyst on the post game shows, but you are going to be top dog on Friday on the biggest stage following the game against the Golden State Warriors. So definitely want to encourage all of our listeners to be tuning in. That's going to do it for this week, everybody. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as on clnsradio.com. Don't forget to follow John and I on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A huge thanks to everybody for tuning in. And a reminder, you can support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review. We want your feedback. And a reminder that today's show has been brought to you by Movement Watches and Audible.com. They've got a great deal for all of you listeners, but most importantly, you would be supporting our show, Celtic Stuff Live, and the entire 
entire CLNS radio network. I just want to thank the loyal audience who makes it all worthwhile once again. And for staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Gelso, and for my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.